Welcome to What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong, the coconutiest trending news and pop culture stories from around the region. Today is October 13, 2022, and from Manila, I'm Sam Beltran. And from Jakarta, I'm Andre Nasri. Hi. Hi. Erla. So. I hear somebody needs to catch up on some sleep because somebody oh my God. has been really, really horny. But I don't mean you. I mean your dog. I know. Oh my god. Okay, so it's not me, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you know I have like six dogs at home, right? Mm. And then one of them just entered puberty and is now in heat. Yeah. Yeah. So my dog wouldn't stop because he wants to get some. Which, you know, I mean, like, those are the times that I wish I were just a dog. You mm. know, just, just thinking about those things. Like, not having to wake up at 6 a.m. <laughs> and trying to think of all the grown-up stuff to do. Like, I just wake up, sniff my butt, go check around mm. for breakfast, and try to try to get some. So your your male dog is eyeing mm. the bitch, right? He is, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the bitch is in heat. Yes. Tell me, though, are they related? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the spirit of the Game of Thrones spinoff. Have so, they been watching yes. House of the Dragon? Oh my god, I know. But yeah, unfortunately, this is my dog's kid. So oh my this, god. this this bitch came from an accidental litter because he had gotten one of her dogs pregnant. Who and but but they're not related, thankfully. But now this is his kid, and he saw his kid grow up. That sounds so wrong. <laughs> can we? <laughs> he saw he saw her grow up. Can you not Okay. Oh my god, that's that's disgusting. This is like even worse than Renera and Damon. Oh. oh my god. But I mean, I know I'm supposed to get him neutered, like a like a good and responsible owner. But you know. These things, they don't, they're not like you pop into the vet and then, you know, whoop, and then it's gone. Like it's, it's a bit of a major surgery. So, I mean, I've, mm. I've been trying to prepare for that, not just financially, but like psychologically as well. I'd say just get right <laughs> on it for the sake of his daughter. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> can, we, can we move on to the top stories of the week? Okay, fine. Let's go. From a man painting artwork with his teepee to alien worshippers in Bangkok, Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out! Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. So in Malaysia, with more Malaysian political things, so the country just dissolved its parliament to make way for the 15th general election, which is their first election since 2018. So the Prime Minister Ismail Sabri has announced the dissolution of Parliament to make way for GE15. And he said that an election date is expected to be announced soon. And under the Constitution of Malaysia, an election has to be held within 60 days from the day Parliament is dissolved. And by law, the latest time for GE15 to be held is next year. So this decision just came after months of pressure from UMNO leader Ahmad Zahid Hamidi to dissolve parliament and hold a snap election. But this has raised concerns considering Malaysia is about to experience its annual monsoon season soon. 
which displaced more than 100,000 people last year and left 54 dead. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Really? Yeah, so let me ask you, though. Right. Do you prefer uh, a system in which elections are scheduled way in advance or like this Commonwealth system wherein, oh, look, we can dissolve parliament. Uh, Let's uh, pick a new ruling party. And from that comes the prime minister. Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, like, I definitely see like pros and cons to both. Right. I mean, on one hand, having scheduled elections, you know, it takes the surprise element out, which kind of like, if you're the type of person who hates surprises, then yeah, that's great. Like, you know what to expect, (laughs) more or less. But like, I mean, coming from the shitty democracy that is the Philippines, people know that elections are around the corner. And that's when they just, you know, do all the ways they can to get away with shit. So, True. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So so you know you'd see roads being broken down yeah, yeah, and rebuilt yeah, yeah, yeah. again. Yeah. You know the, yeah. the, that kind of. And stuff they only show they you know? they only show they care like a year leading up to election, and that's about exactly. it. Exactly. Right? So I guess you know in a way you know the parliament system does kind of like prevent that from happening in a way. But like I mean, God, the anxiety though of like having to like not knowing when it's gonna happen and just leaving you know, your political future in the hands of a select few. So, yeah. yeah. What about you? I don't know, man. As long as we don't pick a dictator <laughs> in charge. I don't, re- <laughs> I don't really care. Oh, my God. <laughs> no dig oh God. at any specific country. Sure. But, no, I mean, Indonesia's get, we will have our own um, election, general election and presidential election in two years' time. I don't know. I think I think I, I guess I am someone who doesn't really like surprises. Uh, I like that we can prepare huh. all this time to really, really get to know uh, the candidates, the parties, and just you know, just see how rotten they are, <laughs> and oh just my God. Yeah, pick, yeah, yeah. pick like the 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 lesser evil in the end. That's what I did last time, and that's uh, what I'm going to do next time. Did the lesser evil win? By any chance? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to disclose that. <laughs> Fine. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, I hope, you know, all goes well with Malaysia, considering that they do have quite the history, apparently, mm. when it comes to mm. political unrest and shit, you know. So, yeah. All right. We are moving on to Bali, but not sunny Bali. Uh, we are talking about Aww. a very, very rainy Bali, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but a lot of Indonesia is going through an extreme weather phase that might last throughout the week. And that has included Bali, like at least five people were killed following days of rainfall that inundated parts of the island with floods and landslides. Um, oh my God. Among those who died were a 22-year-old man. Oh God. A 16-year-old boy whose motorbike was dragged by flood water. And he plunged into the sewers in Denpasar. It's it's not exactly uh, the best time to visit Bali right now. Tourists who are there at the moment are also experiencing the effects of the extreme weather up close and personal. Like uh, last week, 121 tourists were evacuated from their villas in Legian and Kuta. Um, mm-hmm. Holiday in paradise gone wrong, basically, for, for all know. of them. But like, I want to ask you, like, was this weather forecast done in advance or is this kind of like an unexpected development in terms of the weather no but no there was there was ample warning for it but um yeah 
I, I, in Bali's case, I'm not sure if there was warning for, for floods per se, but I guess a lot of them were really unlucky to be where they were. But, you know, and not just in Bali, but uh, even in Jakarta, like it's better right now to just stay at home when, when the clouds are forming up above, you know, because even right. like outside my area in Jakarta, it's been flooding so much. So, oh God, you know, I hope everyone in Indonesia is staying safe because I mean, you know, like with a tropical climate like ours, you never really know what's going to happen next. So, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, we move on to Bangkok where, you know, as you know, last week at least 36 people were killed in a gun massacre. We'll talk about that tragedy as well as something else that happened, something a little inappropriate. I say a little, a lot inappropriate and um, absurd. It's, it's stupidly absurd. And talking to us about that, we have Coconuts Bangkok reporter Nikki Tansko. Hello, Nikki. Yay, Hello. Nikki. Hello, Sam. Hello, Andra. Hello. It's good to be back once again. Hey. Yeah. So we hear a senior police officer lost his job following the mass shooting and it wasn't because of mishandling of the shooting can you tell us what happened yeah so there was this news broadcast uh talking about the tragedy of this mass shooting that happened at a nongbo province so basically there was a reporter that asked this senior police officer that who was basically the spokesperson of the region for provincial police the reporter was basically asking the police officer just uh, how much was the death toll from the shooting. Mm. And surprisingly, or in, in a shocking turn of events, you can hear the police officer chuckling to himself. Jesus. Uh, oh, God. Chuck- yeah. And then he said that, you know, he basically said that when you asked if the gunman was included in the death toll, because if you didn't know in the mass shooting, the shooter killed himself after all the mm. carnage. He said, when you asked if the gunman was included, I immediately had to think if he was included. So I'm sorry for like, you know, he was just laughing because he was doing the math in his head. But, you know, it was all live and, you know, laughing at a tragedy that just occurred moments after. Right. That, you know, oh. it just, it was very ill-timed, very insensitive. And many people thought it was very offensive. So a few days later, he was removed from his job. I would say maybe he was transferred to something. I don't think he probably lost his job, but he wasn't mm-hmm. going to. But he's no longer going to be speaking on behalf of the police anytime soon. Did he offer any sort of explanation why he was laughing? Yeah, he was just trying to do the math. You know, like he was thinking about the death toll and he was just oh, thinking... Geez whether the shooter was included in the death toll. But, you know, that's not something to laugh about during a live news broadcast. Yeah, absolutely not. But, you know, ordinarily, like, the total death toll would include the shooter, right? Yeah, because he did kill himself after all, which... Yeah. Can you take us back then to the uh, the tragedy last week? Yeah, so Thursday, dozens of children were killed by this ex-cop uh, his name was uh, Sergeant Panyakamrap. Uh, he was basically charged with drug possession. I was, mm-hmm. I think it was meth. So he was fired from his job last year, and he ended up coming over to shoot a bunch of children because you know he's probably not mentally well. He was looking for mm-hmm. his kid, so he went on a rampage, killing at least twenty-four young children, preschoolers, 
and a pregnant teacher. Oh my God. There was a teacher that uh, was pregnant for eight months. And when he shot them all, he drove a car, ran into some more people, went back home, shot his wife and kid, and then killed himself. It was oh the my most senseless so act of violence seen in. Well, I wouldn't say in a long time because there's been there's been a lot of incidences where there's ex police officers shooting up people. I mean, just three weeks ago, there was another police officer uh, who killed two of his colleagues at this uh, police academy, and he said he was just oh stressed. God. So th- there's been a lot of talk lately because of this incident whether you know we should have stricter gun control. Should we like check the mental well-beings of uh, civil servants? It raises a lot of questions and you know discussions on that. So how like for us for those of us who don't know how strict are you or uh, Thailand's um, gun control? Well, the the thing you have to know is that many people own guns illegally. It's not really regulated. Um, right. There's a lot of people that hold unregistered firearms for sure. And, you know, uh, we need to think about how, how should we control that? I mean, there are more than 10 million firearms in 2017, and only about 6 million are registered. And illegal possession can mean 10 years in jail and a 20,000 baht fine. But no one's actually monitoring this. And I think, I mean, mm. I think it's kind of eerily similar to what's happening in America. I mean, I've had some Americans right. they are a little unfazed by that, you know, they're like they're so used to that. But it's really shocking. To me, it's shocking because this isn't just a mass shooting. It's a mass shooting where the majority of the victims are actually children. I think that's exactly. just horrific. You know, it's terrifying. Oh, they also found out the police officer, he wasn't using a gun that was given by the police headquarters. It was actually a gun he owned. He actually owned. I see. But like, was there any word on why he targeted the children in particular? Well, at first, the people assumed that he was under the influence of drugs, but an autopsy was performed on him and they didn't actually find any drugs in his system. So I guess he was just mentally unwell, I guess. Like he, he's been charged with dr- uh, drugs and, uh, you know, that says a lot already. Yeah, that's Are really... calling for tighter enforcement then of gun control measures? Gun crimes are not common in Thailand. Like, let's just be clear about that. But it's just mm. like... Moments like this, it just shows that, you know, we should really need to find ways to prevent this from happening. And to make things worse is, you know, the most recent incidences have been military officer, ex-military officers and ex-policemen. So Mm. focusing on background checking, like civil servants should help. Yeah. So, you know, definitely just, I guess, being stricter in regulating, like, you know, the police officers and military people. But I guess that is a conversation for another time and -hmm. probably would open like an entire, you know, can of worms to even try to figure out. But yeah. So, Nikki, thank you so much for coming on board and, you know, shedding light on this really horrific incident and that really odd and bizarre reaction that police officer had. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Funeral rights just ended this week. So can't imagine what the families of victims are going through yeah all right thank yeah, you Nikki. Kids. speak to you soon yeah all right thank you thanks, thanks for having me. okay so from one shitty cop to another this time in <laughs> manila 
<laughs> where a police officer from an anti-drug unit was arrested after he was caught with nearly one ton of meth, or what we call what? shabu. I know, Loki. One ton. Damn, that's crazy. Exactly. And it costs a whopping 6.7 billion pesos, which is what the hell? dollars. So, yeah, that is an interesting twist because, I mean, like, if you've been following Philippine politics for the last couple of years, you know that probably Rodrigo Duterte's claim to fame is his whole drug war, right? With all these, you know, widespread allegations of extrajudicial killings and other abuse by the police. So things have gotten more complicated now after a police officer from the PNP's or the Philippine National Police's anti-drug unit, no less, was arrested in connection to the seizure of nearly one ton of meth, or what we know as shabu, in what appears to be the country's biggest drug bust to date. Wait, so is, the this, police... is this officer right. like ranked highly to be able to secure this much? I would say they're more like rank and file in the middle, mm-hmm. I guess, to kind of put it. I mean, like you definitely have like more people up above. Like they're definitely like above your your usual police officer that you see on the streets right but they're they're definitely like ways below you know like a colonel or major or captain so you know to have that kind of access to drugs is pretty scary Mm. so so he got arrested during a buy bust operation authorities raided a building that housed a lending company which was supposedly like a front of the whole drug trade where they found the massive stacks of the drugs and um, he wasn't arrested at first. They arrested another guy who showed up at the by-bust operation. But they later found documents that showed that the sergeant was his accomplice, finding IDs, um, his personal belongings, and other stuff that they said were incriminating documents that linked him to the crime. So, I mean, this definitely raised concerns, right? Because, like, as you mentioned, yeah. or, like, as you asked me earlier, like, how high-ranking is this police officer? And, you know, it, it begs the question, like, how how many more officers in the police force are actually related to this? And that, yeah. you know, he could be just a small player in what could be, you know, like, a much more complicated and bigger web of a, of a drug trade in the country. But, yeah. And, okay, okay. How, how yeah. confident are you that all of that, that chain is going to be exposed uh, not really not very. <laughs> <laughs> not very let's just, just let's just keep it at that like not yeah. very okay we're moving on to coconuts hong kong samuel let me ask you this you're sitting on the mtr you you managed to score yourself a rare seat instead of you know being like everybody else standing up and you see a woman with her children let's say age five and below and she is asking for you to give it up to her children. Would you give it up? As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> most trains only. <laughs> oh my god, that makes me sound like such a like such a selfish person. But like, you're only supposed to give your seat up for pregnant women, heavily pregnant women, or old people. No, I'm kidding. But like, or um, actually, in in here, we we have to give it up to. Uh, parents who are carrying small children for children that does who, make sense like if you who, if you had a are at risk of falling down yeah yeah, yeah yeah right like when their knees aren't developed and shit and mm. so in hong kong there was a, a debate over whether mtrc should be given up for children sparked an altercation in a train car 
resulting in a oh, delay in the East Rail Line. I mean, if it ever got to a point where there was going to be an altercation, I probably would have been like, just fuck it, just have my fucking seat, you know? I oh my god, yes, exactly. Anyway. Like if, yeah. if 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 the mom was gonna get up in your face and threaten like to sucker punch you, I'd just be like, no, 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 it's not worth my life. Okay, yeah, just, okay, yeah, just, just have it. Have it. <laughs> I don't want to go viral, but that is exactly what happened uh, because a user posted four videos on Facebook with a caption, please give your opinion. Why must we give up our seats on the MTR to children? Why can't they take a taxi instead? I think I think this user is missing the point. They do, but not everybody can afford a taxi. Yeah. So the videos, which have gone viral on social media, show two women who have three children with them embroiled in a quarrel with a man and a woman in the MTR car. Why must we give up our seats to children? If you insist on having your children sit down, why take the MTR? Take the taxi instead, says the woman filming the videos. Because we are scared children might fall, says a woman in purple who takes out her smartphone to film the other woman back. Children oh and the God. elderly should get priority seating, blah de blah de blah. So what say you, Andra? Like, have you, has this story made up your mind about whether or not you give your seat to a kid? What do you think? Nope. <laughs> I really <laughs> it depends it really depends like yeah. I, obviously obviously we have to give it up to pregnant women to the elderly but I've never found myself in a situation where I had to vacate it for a kid I mean a lot of kids like mine they, she loves running around in a train um, I know so. they, they, they wouldn't even want to sit still you know so, yeah. mm. but anyway regardless of who is wrong or right whether or not children deserve priority seating do go on over to coconuts hong kong to read the story about this altercation that like i said earlier caused a delay on the um east rail line okay so from one conversation about special treatment to another this time in singapore where a minister has addressed a trivial matter after haters called her out for getting special treatment over a plate of noodles so this minister in particular is sun shuling so she's the Minister of State for Home Affairs and the sole member of parliament for Pungol West SMC. So she took some time from her very busy schedule and quashed claims that she did not pay for her plate of Hokkien mee mm. and said that she buys and queues for it like everyone else. So she really took the time to go on social media and write, I pay for my Hokkien mee and I wait to collect my Hokkien <laughs> mee like everyone else. <laughs> I mean, look, it's Singapore though. They right. take like queuing and everything really seriously i guess sure when you put it that way that does that does make sense you know lest they fall into disarray and chaos <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my god bubble gum. oh my god exactly oh my god what will happen to society if we don't fly it up for our hokey and me <laughs> anyway, so what really sparked this whole hullabaloo came from a post which garnered a hate comment from a Facebook user named Raghavachari Chari, who alleged that the minister received a free meal, quote unquote, again. So this wasn't the first time it happened. So Sun denied this and called the user out for deleting the comment after she tried to clarify. So, but there was another lady at the coffee shop who also called her out in person for getting her noodles earlier because she was an MP 
But the minister again denied this and said that the noodle stall owner treated her like everyone else by scolding her like she does with most patrons. But yeah, so she asked Who is neighbor warriors to chill. I know. I mean, I guess the real question here is how good is that Hokkien me that they have to fight <laughs> over a queue, right? <laughs> I think I that's mean, a real question here. <laughs> you know what? If you go to Coconut Singapore and you look at that photo, I mean, I know. Like it, it, I'm more like of a Kuei okay. Tiao guy, though. Sure, me too. But I mean, I mean, look, I love any noodle. But yeah, so the minister asked the keyboard warriors to chill and use their energy for the better. So yeah, guys, I mean, I guess the real takeaway here is that if there is a queue forming at your local Hokkien Mi stall, maybe just look for another. <laughs> I don't know. Right, yeah. There's, they're everywhere. I know. Okay. Halloween is coming up in a couple of weeks. Are you going to dress up? Oh my god, no. Wait till I tell you the tale about the five haunted places in Jakarta and the horror movies that they inspired. In the spirit of Halloween, we at Coconut Jakarta unearthed this listicle about the five haunted places in Jakarta and the horror oh movies god. they inspired. So as you know, Jakarta is absolutely massive. It has a long and sometimes dark history. A cemetery oh where it's apparently frequented by the headless ghost of like some sort of nobleman, probably Dutch, I'm not even sure. But my absolute favorite is the Potato House. Potato House is the last name for a horror house I would have in mind. <laughs> That doesn't sound very scary. <laughs> the Potato House is located in Kabairan Baru. That's in South Jakarta. It is said that a child living in the house died after falling into a pot of boiling potatoes. Oh my the god, that's so say, morbid. It is. The legends say that if you pass by the house, you can sometimes smell boiling potatoes and hear a child crying. They don't say whether or not the, the boiling potato smell is mixed with a boiling child smell, but you know. Oh my god, I wouldn't even know what that <laughs> smells like. So yeah, if you do have time, do watch um, Rumah Kentang, the beginning in um, that came out in 2019. Uh, I think they really embellished a lot of the uh, events that happened that that tragic huh. evening, tragic night. Oh my god, that you know I will never look at potatoes the same way again and i love potatoes like oh my god like i will eat fries potato chips wedges mashed potatoes boiled potatoes you know and now this just ugh. thanks but no thanks <laughs> anyway yeah do go on over to coconut jakarta to check out all the places and the horror movies they inspired yep Okay, so that is all the time that we have for this week. We will see you next time. Same time, same podcast. Bye. Bye-bye, potato, potato. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy your fresh merch at the coconut shop at shop.coconuts.co. Advertise with our in-house agency, Grove. Fast, funny, digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. 
Get in touch via coconuts.co slash grove. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by our journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news on matters large and small, designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Sam Beltran and Andra Nazri. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Vivian Seed.